in preaching and, you know, traditional sermons, I like to try to make things as clear as I possibly can. I'll be dealing with some spiritual dynamics today and also some dynamics of impartation. So this will take on more of a spiritual significance, and there will be multiple prophetic declarations, which I encourage you to interact with. Spiritual realities bypass the emotions and the intellect and reach from the earth into the heavenly realm where massive change takes place. The heavenly world being the parent world, you understand, that produced this world. And as believers, we have received more than just the redemption of our souls by having faith in Jesus Christ. We have received more than the forgiveness of our sins and the guarantee of a safe eternity. As believers in Jesus Christ, we possess certain rights to access spiritual realities and make them manifest in the earth. If you'll reference Matthew 16, 19 for me, Jesus is asking his disciples, who do you say that I am? Eleven of the disciples are silent, and then Peter declares, I say you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when he said that, Jesus almost blurted out. Look at what Jesus blurted out when Peter declared that Jesus is Lord. Jesus said, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Everyone say that, the keys of the kingdom. Say it again more for us, the keys of the kingdom. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That is as much of a promise to the believer as the cleansing of your sins or as the peace that comes when you give your life to Jesus. We don't talk about it a lot because that has to deal with spiritual things. That has to deal with things that are in another realm that we cannot see. And a lot of times we like to leave our faith in the practical realm. But Jesus said, Peter, your faith in me has done more than just connect you to a higher relationship with God. Your faith in me has done more than just remove the sin and the bondage and the stain from you. Your faith in me has also granted you a key with which you can enforce spiritual realities and make the spiritual manifest in the natural realm earth realm. And one of those keys is the ability to make prophetic declarations by faith, to speak creative words over your future and over your life, and then watch God bring them to pass. Now, everyone is not a prophet in the sense of being a, having the office of a prophet established in a church to speak to the body of Christ. Those are specific gifts that come on specific individuals. But every believer has the right and authority to prophesy over their own life. And when you prophesy over your own life and you speak things about your future, as long as it is in line with the Word of God and the will of God, which you get from the Word of God, you can believe and stand in faith that God will bring to pass what you prophesy. Let's prove that. Job twenty-two twenty-eight. Put it on the screen, please. Job twenty-two twenty-eight. God speaking to Job gives this revelation to the earth. 
Job 22, 28. I'm sorry, I've been going fast. There we go. You will also declare a thing, and it will be established for you. Let's read it together. You will also declare a thing, and it will be established for you. And a lot of times we leave these things on the table as believers. We honor and we worship God for the cross. And we honor and we worship God for the Holy Spirit. But we do not realize that we have been given the power by our faith in Jesus to make declarations over our own lives. To make declarations over our family, over our health, over our finances, and to announce to the future what it is going to be. Not waiting to see what's going to unfold and what's going to hit us next, but stand and make a prophetic declaration by faith over our own lives. He said, you'll declare a thing and it will be established for you so light will shine on your ways. We stand in a significant moment. As one decade closes, a new one begins. Decades are marked by certain patterns and cycles. Your life is lived in series of decades. And there have been certain elements that have marked these past 10 years for many of you. But the Lord was speaking to me and he said there are patterns of warfare, wounds, and weeping that he will not allow to follow you into the coming decade. God desires to end the pattern of wounds, warfare, and weeping and begin in 2020 a decade of dominion. Raise your right hand and say 2020 will be a decade of dominion. Now that we've cracked that box, let's look at dominion. Through dominion, God is not doing a new thing. Rather, he's taking us back to an ancient promise that most believers have left on the table. If you'll please go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, I want you to look at something. The scripture says God blessed them, the, the first people, the first humans in the human family. And the law of first mention dictates that what God says to the first, he never changes. This has always been God's design and God's idea. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Let's look at those individually. Be fruitful. It means to be productive, and to produce something new. I declare that right now over you, that in the coming years you will be fruitful and produce something you've never produced before. Multiply. In other words, you have the capacity to be more than you are right now. What you're looking at in the mirror is not all that's in there. There are multiples in you, so be fruitful and multiply, or simply be more than you are right now. I like that, and I can start to feel it. Be more than you are right now. That's the challenge. That's the word from God to you over this coming decade. Be more than you are right now. Now, God's not encouraging you to be more than you are. You remember how God created. He said, let there 
be light. And the be of God establishes his creative authority and his power. So I'm telling you what God said in the scripture to our ancient grandparents, be more than you are right now. May you multiply exceedingly. May you go forward in manifestation of this word and be more than you are right now. May your family be more than it is right now. May your finances be more than it is right now. May your health and your peace and your strength and your prosperity and your wholeness be more than it is right now. Clap your hands and say, I receive dominion. He says, be fruitful. I am productive. Say it. I am productive. Come on. This is a prophetic service. We're declaring things. I am productive. I'm speaking over my life prophetically, and what I decree and declare, God will bring to pass. I am productive. You are not a loser. You're not what those nasty people called you. I don't care how long you've been unemployed or how many jobs you've been fired from or how many people have told you you're not worth anything. The word of the Lord is you are productive. I am productive. My children are productive. My family is productive. My community is productive. My church is productive. I am productive. Multiply. I'm going to be more than I am right now. Replenish, which means grow something where there's been no growth before. I feel that over your life and mine. Grow something where there has been no growth before. Push your neighbor and say, grow something where there's been no growth before. Then he says, subdue. This is a big one for us. Establish order where there's been chaos. That's a word for somebody. Just throughout the service, different things are going to hit you at different times. When it hits you, let it hit. Establish order where there has been chaotic situations. If there's been chaos in your finances, take dominion and establish order. If there's been chaos in your home, take dominion and establish order. And then finally, he says, take dominion. Now, it's a difficult subject to broach, especially there's so many different levels of believers here. Some people have been in the faith a long time. Some people brand new to it. But let's crack the box on it because in atmospheres like this, more is caught than taught. Number one. Dominion is a spirit that manifests the authority of the kingdom of God in the earth. It's on the screen if you want to take a picture of it. Dominion is a spirit. Say that with me. Dominion is a spirit. Now, it manifests the authority of God's kingdom in the earth. Whether you're aware of it or not, as a believer... You have been given certain spiritual rank and authority, and there are things you can bind, and there are things you can lose. You have been licensed and legislated by the blood of Jesus. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how many mistakes you've made, when God decided to save you, he didn't give you some of it and not all of it. He gave you the full standing and the rights as a joint heir with Christ. That's the only position there is. If you're saved, you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You're not the red-headed stepchild that's kind of 
kind of sort of in the family. If you're saved, Paul said in Ephesians, you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And as a joint heir with Jesus Christ, you have been endowed with heaven's signature of authority, which means in the earth walking around, if you're dealing with a spiritual problem, though you are a natural human being walking the face of the earth, you have certain spiritual authority, and there are things you can bind, and there are things you can lose. You ought never have a spirit of terror running roughshod over your house. You ought never have night terrors running roughshod over your children. You ought never have demonic activity plaguing your home. You ought never have spirits of oppression and possession hounding your family members. As a joint heir with Jesus Christ, you have been given dominion. And everything that is up under the feet of Jesus is up under the feet of the believer who is seated with him in heavenly places. You have authority as a believer. Dominion is a spirit that manifests the authority of God's kingdom in the earth. Number two, dominion is an anointing. What is an anointing? It's something heaven pours on your head that begins to flow down and saturate you from head to toe. It is an anointing. Number three, dominion is a blessing. In Ephesians, Paul said, blessed be God who has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Dominion is one of those blessings. Number four, I like it. Dominion is a force. Make a fist. Raise your arm and say, dominion is a force. Number five, dominion is a grace. Now, as we stated earlier, the earth was created by the being of God. Let there be light, and there was light. Let there be a separation of the firmaments, and there was. Let there be a separation between the land and the waters, and there was. And everything God said be to became what he said. And then the law of first mention says that God took the creative power of his be and turned it over to the human family and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, subdue, replenish, take dominion. In other words, he said, I'm God. I created this. I created you. I have dominion over this. I have dominion over you. But now I'm turning my dominion over the earth I created over to you. So go do with it what I did for you. I created you. Now go create. I multiplied these trees and these flowers. Now go out and multiply. I replenished the earth in beauty when it was lost in chaos. Now go find chaos and make it beautiful. I love it. He said, go do to the earth what I did with you and take dominion. So you have the commandment from God. It's the first thing he ever said to humanity. You have the capacity you were created in his own image, but you must make the choice to operate in dominion. What are the dynamics of dominion? How does it come? How is it revealed? Number one, dominion must be taken. Uh, I know there's about four or five people in here that that are quick to get an attitude, I need your attitude. I want you to say it with an attitude. Dominion must be taken. 
it must be taken. We read about this in Matthew 11, 9, 15 in our text. It was an interesting discourse. They were asking Jesus about John the Baptist and about his origin and about his ministry. And Jesus launches out into some private information and includes some spiritual, like top secret stuff that was going on. He ends by saying, or he begins by saying that it was John that was prophesied to be the one that would prepare the way for the Messiah. When the scripture says that John the Baptist would prepare the way for Jesus, in what sense did it mean he would prepare the way? When John the Baptist was born, the earth was in a state of spiritual darkness. People had stopped praying, had stopped seeking God, had stopped living to please God. And as a result, God stopped intervening in their lives. Because God loves you so much, he gives you the choice to choose against him. He will not force himself on you. So when you stop seeking, when you stop praying, when you stop crying out, God withdraws. That's why Paul told us even in the New Testament, even after the blood of Jesus had been shed, not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God because the Holy Spirit of God can be grieved. And if he is grieved, he backs off. The earth had been in such a state at the time of John the Baptist that there was no open vision. There was no open prophecy. There was no open revelation. There was no open moving of the spirit. And Satan took control and saturated the earth in a state, in a climate of spiritual darkness. To the point that Satan assumed control of all kingdoms in the earth. You remember when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness and he took him up on the mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the earth in a vision and he said, they're all mine, bow down to me and I'll give them to you. That's the one time Satan wasn't lying. He was in control of all kingdoms of the earth at that time. And God would not allow Jesus to be born into a world where there was no spiritual pathway from earth to heaven. There will always be a pathway to he from heaven to earth. But depending on what we do down here, you can block the pathway from earth to heaven. So God sent John the Baptist to clear the blockage, to remove the obstructions from earth to heaven. Bible historians say that at the age of 12, John rejected his own bar mitzvah and refused to enter the school of the rabbis. His father was a rabbi. His father uh, was, was committed to the rabbinical system. And it was John's lot to follow his father's footsteps. John refused it and chose rather to go into the wilderness at the age of 12. For 18 years, John stayed in the wilderness in intense prayer, intense sacrifice and consecration, intense intercession. And while he was there, the mantle of an Elijah-type intercession came on him, and he began to scream and groan violently in his prayers. And he was known, he was prophesied, and then he was known to be a voice crying in the wilderness. When people thought of John, they thought of the man out in the wilderness screaming and crying out. Not crying out in, in brokenness and weeping and tears, but crying out in violent screams and violent declarations, in 
violent prayer, shaking things in the heavens. That's what John was known for. And for 18 years, John, out in the wilderness by himself, began to remove the principalities and powers and the spiritual wickedness and the darkness in high places. And he began to clear a path spiritually from the earth to heaven so that when Jesus was born, there was a clear and open way from the earth to heaven. And he did it by violent prayers. And so Jesus reveals, he's just like, it's like he's just rambling when you read the text. Jesus reveals that from the time of John the Baptist until now, a violence was started. John stirred something up in the wilderness. John stirred something up out there by himself, fasting and praying and seeking God with Elijah-type intercession. What's Elijah-type intercession? You remember when he was praying for it to rain, how he put his head between his knees like he was a pregnant woman giving birth? That's the kind of intercession, the screaming, the wailing, the crying, the violence, the yelling to your veins are popping out and to your sweating from your brow in prayer. What was John doing? He was going into every sector where Satan had taken dominion and John was pulling it back. He was going into every region where Satan was darkening the hearts of people so that they would not be able to receive a word from God and he was violently pulling it back in the spiritual dimension. And so Jesus said the kingdom's been suffering violence since John because John declared war on the kingdom of darkness in a way that it has never been attacked. John began to fight Satan in a way that it has never been attacked. And he said it's been suffering violence. And the violent take it by force. It's what John was doing in the wilderness. He was going deep into the spiritual realm through prayer, through study of the word, through consecration, through devoting his heart to God. He was going into deep places where there had been cycles and systems of demonic behavior for generations, and he was breaking it and tearing it down by force. Then Jesus says this crazy thing after he tells us that this was the one anointed and sent by God to clear the path for him. Jesus said, but, but the least, the least rank in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. That means you, if you believe in Jesus, you may be the least you may have just got saved, but if you believe in Jesus, according to Jesus' own words, you are greater than John. Why? Because John did not have the blood of Jesus when he was praying. He did not have the resurrection of Jesus when he was praying. He did not have the highly exalted name of Jesus when he was praying. John tore Satan's kingdom down systematically and prepared a way for the Savior to be born without the word, the blood, or the name. But you as a believer, even with all your faults and all your mistakes, if you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can use the same methodology John used. You can go into the spirit realm by prayer. You can go into the spirit realm by prophecy. You can go into the spirit realm by faith and arrest the kingdom kingdom of darkness and pull it down and take dominion by force. But you have to take it. Everybody say you got to take it. So first thing about dominion, you have to take it. Push somebody and say, take it. 
Number two, then dominion must be possessed. Sounds like I'm saying the same thing. But there's a little difference in taking and possessing. Like when I got this shirt, I took it off the rack. But it wasn't mine yet. I had to take it, then take it to the register, pay for it, then go home and put it on before I possessed it. And there's a lot of people coming to church and taking things every Sunday that you are not possessing and walking in in your life. The truth of the matter is enough anointing has come out of this place this year to break every curse off your life and have the devil completely whipped and have all of his courage running out his toes. But we are coming to church and taking things in the worship service and taking things in the altar service and taking things from the preaching and taking things from the teaching and taking things from the prophecy that we are not possessing. You got to take it then possess it. You know, you take the car, and then you got to drive it. You take the woman, and then you got to marry her. You take the cake, and then you got to eat it, because you can't have the cake and eat it too. You have to take it, then possess it. Number three, dominion must be lived. This is lifestyle stuff. You can't be full of dominion three days a week and then a faithless coward the other four. You can't have one foot in the word and one foot in the world. It doesn't work that way. That leads to a powerless Christianity. And you might be saved because the grace of God covers all, but you do not have the power God intended for you to have. No man can serve two masters. Now, one master is so full of grace that he forgives a multitude of sin. But that doesn't mean that he will toss you the keys and the authority when you don't even take and possess what he made available. It's got to be lived. Dominion is for people who have made up their mind, I'm going to stop with the double life. I'm going to stop with the multiple personalities and the multiple ways of being. I'm going to stop with all of these different vicissitudes in my life that cause me to go up and down, high and low, talking like I believe God, talking like there's not a God. That is not a person that will ever walk in dominion. If you're going to pray, pray. If you're going to have faith, have faith. If you're going to believe the word, believe the word. If you're going to stand, stand. And if you're going to do all that, you might as well take. It must be taken. It must be possessed. And it must be lived. Say, I live in dominion. Declare over your life, I live in dominion. Declare over your mind that gets crazy sometimes. I live in dominion. I will possess my own soul. I will not be subject to mood swings. I won't be subject to anxiety. I won't be subject to depression or any other malady they tried to label you with. My children won't be subject to ADD. We will not be ruled by this. We walk by faith and not by sight. I live in dominion. It's a choice. It's a choice. Pump your kids full of medicine if you want to, but it is a choice. 
things of the mind run along the same channels as the world of the spirit. You can live healed. You can live set free. You can live victorious. You can live in dominion. But it is a choice. I live in dominion. I'm not talking dominion on Sunday and reading all these crazy magazines trying to explain what's wrong with me on Monday. I live in dominion. And it's God's job to sign it and to make it work. It's my job to say I receive it. I possess it. I take it. I live in it. I have dominion. feel something rising in the house you may not understand it all but if you'll drink it in deep if you'll receive it in deep a power will start growing in your spirit and the next time the enemy comes and tries to slap you warfare will come up out of you and begin to declare war against Satan and his devices against Satan and his kingdom against those generational curses that have been trying to destroy your family throw that off of you you have domain how does dominion manifest and what is the process of dominion eight things number one your gift will bring dominion the scripture says when Jesus ascended that he gave gifts to men Every person who has ever believed on the Lord Jesus Christ has been given a gift. You, yeah, I'm talking to you. Look at your neighbor and say, you. You are gifted by God. You may not know it yet. It may not have been revealed yet, or it may have. But many times, dominion will manifest in your life through your gift. Everyone say, I'm gifted. Amen. Proverbs 18, 16. A man's gift will make room for him. And your gift is making room for you now. Even as you sit here in this building, there are people thinking about the gifts that you have and how they need your goods and your services. Your gift is making room for you now. People will begin to pay you high dollar for your gifts and your talents. I speak an end to you being taken advantage of and people using your gift and then undervaluing and underpaying what you are worth. In 2020, may your gift bring you to a place of dominion where you demand what you are worth in the name of Jesus. Your gift will make room for you. Number two. Dominion will manifest through training and development. Everybody say training and development. Look at 1 Samuel 22, verse 2. 1 Samuel 22, verse 2. We're going to find somebody in the building right now. 1 Samuel 22, verse 2. Please put it on the screen. And everyone who was in distress, is there anybody stressed out? Y'all got too much dominion to be stressed. Anybody over here stressed out? Everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, I ain't going to ask you if you're in any debt. Everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, 
and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. This is speaking and describing David's army, which would later become known in Scripture as David's mighty men. And look how they started. They came to him in distress, in debt, and discontented. But with three years of training and development at the cave of Adullam, David took people who were distressed, who were in debt, and who were discontented, and turned them into mighty men through training and development. And God told me to tell you, the things that you've been scratching your head over, frustrated, upset, the problems that have come against you that you haven't been able to solve, the stuff you hadn't been able to work out, God told me to tell you, it's been your sparring partner. It was never designed to kill you. It was never designed to take you out. It was never designed to destroy you. It was designed so you would have something to train and develop against because God's been training you this past decade for what he's bringing you into in this next decade. And I want to tell you, if it hadn't killed you yet, that means it's just been training and development. If it hadn't destroyed you yet, it's just been training and development. If the distress hasn't killed you yet, it's been training and development. If the debt hasn't taken you yet, it's just been training and development. If the discontent and the sadness and the depression hasn't won yet, then it's just been training and development, getting you ready for where God is taking you. He's been training a champion. That's why he sent the things he sent in your life. He's been training a champion, and you don't train a champion with cream puffs. You train a champion with hard stuff, with difficult problems, with sleepless nights, with threats and with pressure. That's how you train a champion. And I want to tell you what maybe nobody else in your life will. You are a champion. There's a winner down on the inside of you and you are going to see what he's been training you for as you walk into the next decade. The decade of dominion is upon you. And then, and then number three, innovative ideas. Dominion will manifest in your life through innovative ideas. God will give you an idea that sets you apart and gives you dominion. The enemy tries to slow down our progress with antiquated thinking, using old models because they're comfortable and familiar, old approaches, things that used to be fresh but that are stale now. Just old, dilapidated, no creativity, just ways of being, ways of living, the old routine, the rut we call it. Just in the same old, same old to where life loses its luster. But God will send fresh ideas. And through the fresh ideas, he will give you dominion. And I'm talking about fresh ideas on everything. Ideas on how you eat. I knew that would go over big. Do you know that how you eat is a system? How you eat is a reflection of how you think about your nutrition, about your daily life, about your energy levels. How you eat is a reflection of ideas about how you think and live in the world of nutrition. God will give you new ideas on how to eat. And you know what? If the idea comes from God and it's implanted in you, it's a lot stronger than you reading somebody else's ideas out of some new diet book. 
Some of you have tried and failed that 15 times. Why? Because it wasn't your idea from God. It was somebody else's idea that you paid for. Stop paying for other people's ideas and get your ideas from the throne room of heaven. Something you will actually follow and stick to. How you eat, how you live, how you exercise, how you spend money, how you save money, how you read, how you think. It's all based on ideas. God, give us some fresh ideas. Give us some new ideas. Give people in this church creative ideas. Show us how to move forward in dominion in the realm of our ideas. We see this with Jacob and Laban. Laban was a trickster who found a younger trickster that he could trick. That's what tricksters do. You know, brokenness is attracted to brokenness. Tricksters are attracted to tricksters. They, they usually congregate together. And so Laban found, he finds Jacob and he recognizes that dishonest thing in him. And so Laban begins to treat him dishonestly and is making him work for him, making him run his cattle ranch, his cattle farm. Laban was a cattle baron. He had lots of money in stock, literal stock, cattle. And Jacob's running it. He's running the whole operation. And he's been severely underpaid. And so one day, Jacob's out watering the cows, and God gives him a creative idea. He takes branches, and he arranges them together, ring-strafed branches and spotted, speckled branches, and he puts them down in the water. And as those cows are looking at those branches, a couple of the cows dropped ring-strafed and speckled spotted calves. And Jacob said, aha. So he goes to Laban. He said, from now on, I'm going to work for you for free. The only thing I want, we, we just had these couple of ring-strafed and uh, spotted and speckled calves drop. The only thing I want is just give, just give me all the cows from here on out that, uh, that are born ring-strafed and speckled because they were very rare. And so Laban said, you done lost your mind. Sure. Within three years, Jacob had more cows than Laban did. And he was richer than the man that was trying to bamboozle him because of one creative idea. Do you realize that Amazon was one creative idea? Do you realize that the internet was one creative idea? Do you realize that your iPhone was once one, one creative idea somebody had? God can still give his people creative ideas. I wonder what you could change in San Antonio with one creative idea. I wonder what you could add to the kingdom of God with one creative idea. We need to pray for these things. We need to ask for these things. When's the last time you bowed down and you prayed and you went in deep in the spirit realm and the only thing you were after and trying to shake out of heaven was an idea? The violent. And incidentally, none of this will happen if you don't pray. We can shout over the prophecy. We can shout over what God intends to do. But none of this will take place in your life if you do not pray. I'm telling you, you can go in and pray about anything. And you have the authority as a believer to literally change it and arrest things in the spirit realm and make them manifest in your life. Give God a hand clap of praise if you receive it. Lay both hands on your head. Say, Lord, give me the idea. In the name of Jesus. 
I declare dominion over your life in the realm of ideas in Jesus' name. Number four, dynamic strategies. Everybody say it, dynamic strategies. God will give you dynamic strategies, and the thing about a dynamic strategy in the scripture, a dynamic strategy is when you take less and you do more with it. You take less and you accomplish more. We see this with Elisha and the widow's oil. You remember the widow, her, her husband was a prophet and he died, and she goes to Elisha and she says, the creditors have come and they've taken all the furniture, they're about to repossess the house, and we still owe so much that they're gonna force my two sons into slavery until they work off the debt. Elisha says, what do you have in the house? She said, I just told you they took everything. In fact, all we've got is a little jar of my husband's oil he used to use. And Elijah said, okay, take that little bit of oil and go borrow as many vessels as you can fit in the house and then start to pour from that little jar of oil. And she did, and she kept pouring out of that little jar until every large vessel in her house was filled to capacity with the oil. Then he comes back and he says, now go sell all this oil, pay your debt, and live on the rest. What was that? A dynamic strategy that started with a little and turned into a lot. We see this again with Jesus. He has 20,000 hungry people that needs to be fed. All he has on hand is five loaves and two fish from a little boy. He enacts a dynamic strategy. He takes the fish and the bread. He gives thanks for it, begins to break it and serve it to the people. And he kept breaking and serving what he gave God thanks for until five loaves and two fish fed 20,000 people. What was it? A dynamic strategy. We see it again when Jesus is at the wedding feast. They've run out of wine. All they have is water. So they need something expensive, and all they've got is something you can get for free. But they put it in Jesus' hands. He said, fill up the water pots with as much water as you can put in them. Fill them up to the brim. And through a dynamic strategy, Jesus turned water into wine. What I'm telling you is you don't have to be rich to take dominion. You can start with a little bit and through dynamic strategies, get a whole lot and walk out with the force and power of dominion through the concept of dynamic strategies. Dynamic strategies are coming to this church. Dynamic strategies are coming to the tithers and the supporters of this ministry. God will begin to give you dreams and visions and show you dynamic strategies of how to take a little bit and produce a lot in the name of Jesus. Number five, I got to hurry. Experience and exposure. Everyone say it. Experience and exposure. Experience and exposure will reveal dominion. The Lord showed me this. He said to me, and I'll say it to you, you are what you are because of what you haven't seen yet. You're the business owner you are because of what you haven't seen yet. You're the entrepreneur you are because of what you haven't seen yet. You're the mother or the father that you are because of what you haven't seen yet. Exposure is what leads us to better. Because if we knew better, most of us would do better. So sometimes the exposure is the missing key. It's the missing piece. 
Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, we know the first part of it. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, hasn't even entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And we stop there, but verse 10 says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Now, I know I'm going a little deep with you this morning, but I want to tell you there's something for you you haven't seen yet that you are about to see glimpses of. God's going to take you into environments and begin to give you glimpses. And the reason he's showing you this, he's exposing you to what you're going to have so you can believe for it. He's exposing you to things you're going to wear so you can believe for it. He's exposing you to office buildings you're going to work in so you can believe for it. He's exposing you to offices so you can believe for it. The exposure of God is always a clue. God wouldn't show it to you if he wasn't going to give it to you. Listen, the children of Israel didn't know how to believe God for a land that flowed with milk and honey and for houses they didn't build, for vineyards they didn't grow, for a place that the grapes were so big they had to carry the vines on their shoulders. They didn't know how to believe for it, so they didn't until God brought them to the border of the land and let them send spies in for just a little bit of exposure. And God will always expose the next level to you before he lets you walk in it. So you got to pay attention to the places God allows you to stumble into. If you stumble into a room and it looks like you don't belong there, pay attention. God wouldn't be showing it to you if he wasn't about to give it to you. If you stumble into a place that you don't have the qualifications to work there, you don't have the education to work there, you don't have the, the, the buddy on the inside to get you a good word in to work there, be careful because God wouldn't be showing it to you if he wasn't going to give it to you. God advances your life and gives you dominion through experience and exposure. What you're exposed to is a clue of what's about to happen. I'm preaching somebody's word right now. Don't get tired on me, please. I know it's a lot of content, but what God is about to expose you to is a clue of what he is going to give you. The things you're going to start reading like you never read before, the authors you're going to start reading, the classes you're going to start attending, the things you're going to start going for, it's exposure. God's giving you a sneak peek. He's giving you a glimpse of what you are about to walk in. Somebody, please remember I preach this word, and when it comes to pass, in your life. Track me down and tell me all God did for you that he gave you a quick exposure and a, a quick picture of first before he brought it to pass in your life. God has not forgotten you. God's been training and developing you, but after training and development, come experience and exposure because there is more ahead of you than you think. God didn't allow you to survive all the stuff that could have killed you up to this point just to leave you struggling. God has a place for you, a land flowing with milk and honey. You might have been in the wilderness a long time, but that is not the destination. That's the training ground. That's the development place. That's the experience place. But you're about to be exposed to where you were designed to possess. I feel that. You're about to be exposed to where you were designed to possess. I'm going to say it again. You are about to be exposed to where you were designed to possess. 
Number six, dominion will make your money an answer. Ecclesiastes 10, 19, very controversial scripture that a lot of fuddy-duddy folks hate. But it says, a feast is made for laughter, wine makes merry, but money answers everything. So if it's a thing, money will answer it. Now, I didn't write that. I wish I did. It's good and it's true. If you believe in the concept and the doctrine of the debar of God, the rod of God is his word, that he opens his mouth and his word that never changes, that's forever settled in heaven, establishes the truth believers live by, that is the word of God. That money answers everything. In the last 10 years, there have been some challenges that have come up against you. There's been some warfare that's come up against you. There's been some trials and problems that have come up against you that you have had to remain silent on because the only thing that would have answered it was money. And your money wasn't currently at the level to give an answer to that kind of question, to that kind of problem, to that kind of difficulty. But dominion will make your money an answer. It will cause your level of money to rise to the level of demands and questions that things are asking you, that problems are demanding of you, that issues and circumstances are demanding of you. Dominion will make your money answer it. You know what that means? It means you're going to be freed up to dream. It means you're going to be freed up to be a good husband and a good wife and a good parent because right now you're trying to answer stuff you should just send your money to answer. We know a vineyard owner that was in Napa Valley that was telling us about how he got sued and he told us that he had just found out about it and the suit had been in progress for 13 months. And I said, how is it that you didn't know you were being sued until 13 months after the process? He said, oh, my lawyer handles that. He doesn't bother me with the small stuff. That means that, that, means that for 13 months, this man was going home, having dinner, going to bed, sleeping peaceful, living his life, having fun, and didn't know he's being sued for $25 million. If you sued me for $25 million, I'd never sleep. I wouldn't be able to eat. I'd have all kind of problems. I'd be on all kind of medication. Don't sue me for $25 million. I could not take. This man was enjoying his life for 13 months with a $25 million lawsuit over his head. How? His money was answering it. It was answering it for him. A lot of the stress, we don't like to talk about it. Okay, we hate to talk about it in church. I'm going to talk about it anyway because I don't care. I love you, and I hope you're here next week, but if you're not, I will be. A lot of the stress in your life boils down to money. And the level of your money not being able to answer the demands in your life for you. God never intended that. To all those people who learned in poor churches that God wants you to be poor, 
that was an insecure person's excuse for explaining where they are. The scripture says in the New Testament, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Stop! How does my, how is my soul prospering? Well, wait a second, how is my soul? He said, I want you to be as prosperous on the outside as your soul is on the inside. How prosperous is my soul? Well, the scripture says, Jesus took my dead, sin-soaked soul and baptized it into the body of his crucified self and then rose again with it and was seated in heavenly places above all authority or all power, above every name that is named in heaven or on earth, and been made a joint heir with Christ. That's in my soul. Then he said, I want you to prosper as much on the outside as your soul is prospering on the inside with Jesus. Why don't we have it? Because we don't obey what the Word of God says about our money. I'm not going to gripe at you about not tithing or giving or so on. That's understood. The Scripture has more than just give your money. Advice about how to, the Scripture will teach you how to invest your money. The Scripture will teach you how to manage your money. The Scripture will teach you how to pray before you invest or pray before you make financial decisions or ask God for wisdom on how to grow your finances. Ask God for wisdom on how to gain more, and you can have it. The violent can take that by force. God wants you to be blessed to the point that you can let your money answer your problems. I'm going to say it again for this side. God wants you to be blessed enough that you can send out your money to answer your problem. I'm going to say it to this side. God wants you to be blessed enough that you can send your money to answer your problem. I'm going to say it to this side. you got some problems beating at the door. Don't put your fork down and stop eating your dinner to answer that door of that problem. Send your money to answer that door. Money answers all things. Now, it can't buy you love. It can't buy you salvation. It can't buy you good parenting. It can't buy you life lessons. But if it's a thing, money can answer. God wants to make your money an answer. The days of you being strung out and stressed out because of money, I believe, are coming to an end. I believe God is shutting the door on debt on foolish spending, on buying things you do not need and will not serve you well. I believe God's going to begin to teach you how to save, teach you how to invest, assign some principles to your life, set up your retirement, get your insurance squared away so that one visit to the doctor that you desperately need will not bankrupt you. I believe God is going to set you up with dominion in the financial realm. Number seven. Dominion is established through divine connections with the right people, business owners. If you own your own business or if you're working on it, if you're going to make a hire, you need to hire the right people. If you're single and you want to get married, Lord Jesus, you need to marry the right one. 
please don't marry the wrong one. Please get a word from God and marry the right one. If you're going to start a partnership or if you're going to start something with somebody else, if you're going to invest, you got to do it with the right one. And many times dominion is established in your life by God giving you divine connections. The scripture says it is not within a person to direct their own steps. In other words, when something's really big, we need God to assign. We need that divine direction and assignment. Dominion will be established in your life through divine connections. And then finally, number eight, favor will release dominion. The favor of God on your life, unexplainable, didn't do anything to earn it. Just the favor of God on your life will release the spirit of dominion over you. I speak that you will walk in it. I speak that you will live in it. I speak that you'll parent in it. I speak that you'll do business in it. I speak that your life will advance as it pertains to your favor and dominion in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe the word today, stand and give God praise for it. Amen. All right. I'm sorry I kept you so long. Two things. We do not have service this Wednesday night. We are going to have a New Year's service on Tuesday. And I, I want to I challenge you Tuesday at 7. And I want to challenge you to be with us. Here's what we're going to do in that service. We've been doing this the last couple of years. We've received some marvelous testimonies from it. And just in accordance with this word, I want to challenge you with this. We've been writing down five things just on any, any kind of paper, and you don't have to put your name on it if it's personal. But we've just been, or you can even use an envelope. We've just been writing down five things we're believing God for in the coming year. And we bring it in here on New Year's Eve. We leave it on the altar, and that's scriptural. You remember when Hezekiah was threatened by Sennacherib? Hezekiah laid out the threats on the altar. And he laid out his prayer request on the altar. And they left it in the temple overnight. And God moved. And I just think as we're crossing over, I really feel it in my spirit. I wasn't going to do it again because I, I don't want to do the same thing. But I really felt an unction from the Holy Ghost that there's something spiritual to that. So I want you just to think personally for yourself, what are the five things you're believing for in the coming year, in 2020? And I want you to write those things down. And we're going to do what Hezekiah did. We're going to come in here. We're going to worship. We're going to lay them on the altar. And then in accordance with the New Testament book of James, I'm going to be anointing every person with oil and praying over you. And that's what we're going to do. Then we're going to close the service with communion. It's going to be amazing. I want you to be here for it. So if you remember those couple of things, get you a piece of paper, whether you do it today, whether you do it to whatever, and bring those five things. How many got five things you, you can think of that you need God to do for you? Well, let's write them down. Let's write them down. Let's write them down. And we're going to bring them in here. And we're going to pray over them and believe God on Tuesday night. Extend your hands. This was a spiritual service. It wasn't about necessarily teaching or preaching. The Lord infused that thing in my spirit to release over you. And I believe it's going to begin to grow in you. And I believe in your life, you're going to begin to see manifestations of the dominion of God in your life. Power Christianity. Flowing in authority. 
not letting the works of the enemy push you around anymore. Lord, I ask that you seal this word in the heart of every person that heard it. We thank you for the establishment of dominion in their lives. We thank you for leading and guiding them. We thank you for clearing the path for them. We thank you for introducing us to violent prayers, travail, and intercession, and teaching us the way to pull things out of the Spirit into manifestation in our lives. And Lord, for all these things, we glorify you and we thank you. We ask that the seed of the Word grow in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen. Listen. In apostolic atmospheres, more is caught in your spirit than can be taught to your mind. I want you to meditate on what you heard today. Whether you realize it or not, no one may have come over and shook you or laid hands on you, but you were ministered to personally today. God had a personal word for you today. And if you want to go back and watch it, uh, you can't buy it because it's free. If you want to go back and watch it, watch it as many times as you want. Soak in it. Let God speak to you each time you replay it. But the coming 10 years, I know we painted with broad strokes today, but the coming 10 years are going to be marked with dominion over your life in the name of Jesus. I love you. If you have something you'd like to give to the kingdom of God or if you want to sow into the word, you can come and bring that now. Father, for every person watching online, may the anointing that's in this house and the sweet richness that we feel now extend to them. May they be blessed. May they be strengthened. May they be filled with the spirit of dominion. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Lord, we thank you for covering them in safety and keeping their family and keeping them in peace. In Jesus' name. God bless you. We love